Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here, as always, with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? Good evening. Oh. I am doing very well. You are well. <laughs> little Lilton there. You are excited about tonight. I, you know why I'm so excited? Why's that? Be- because you're letting us have the window open tonight. <laughs> for the first several episodes, he was very concerned with the sound and if there would be some random noise outside, some excitable person rolling down the alley. But now we're taking a chance. Maybe um, on our social media channels, we'll show you some of the um, deleted scenes that we put together where we were just fighting over how sweaty we were from just talking. Listen, we need a cross <laughs> breeze at all times. <laughs> you, you would just stop. I'm like, are you okay? And you go, uh, I'm, I'm so hot. I'm so hot. How can anyone think when they're hot? <laughs> That's very true. Can't be like talking about the... the the beauty of wine when the sweat is dripping into your glass. There's a reason, you know, wine is kept at a perfect temperature. It's for the wine itself. I don't know that that wasn't going anywhere. You, you, you had something going and you just you didn't know where to land it. Mayday on that joke. Mayday. <laughs> well, well, it's not too hot. So. No, that's the beauty of tonight as we are in full fall. We're in November and we're decided to bring you all some red wine. We're going to do a little run of red wine for everybody. I know there's a lot of red wine fans out there. You know, as a wine person, I drink a lot of wine. And so at the end of the day, often I want something a little bit lighter and refreshing. I tend to go for whites or sparkling. And a lot of other my wino friends do too. But in general, in the world over, people are red lovers. They just are. People love red wine. Every time I try to help somebody like plan a wedding in the summer, I'm like, oh, it's going to be hot. But there are the people that just want red wine. So let's deliver what the people want. Give the people what they want. And that's what we're going to do. So the spirit of that is kind of the topic of the night. And so let's just go ahead and get into it. We're drinking some red wine tonight because we want to do an episode that is dedicated to people out there who want to be empowered in the way they go in and ask for wine. So we want to give you all some thoughts, some questions, and ways to demystify how to talk to a wine buyer or a sommelier and say, you know what, I, I want to feel good about what I'm buying. I want to love what I'm drinking. Here's how I can talk to that person. Is that a good setup? Absolutely. And this wine is something that I would be more than happy to give to that person. So this is Domaine de Tomps. And let me just say, please excuse my French. I don't speak very good French. I know your mom is listening. She and she's is, doing a tisk tisk tisk. I'm sure she is. We should. We'll have a recording of her somewhere actually saying the names of anything that's in French. That's what. That's she what we'll do. She speaks so beautifully. Um, Domaine de Temps Cosmopolite Vin de France 2017. It's a red wine from Languedoc, which is a region in southern France, and it's a blend of Merlot, Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon. All grape varieties you're familiar with, That's right? right. Yep. And if you they set it on a label, you'd be happy to buy that blend from California, Paso Robles. But you see the word Languedoc, or you see the reg- Vin de France, and maybe you don't see any of those grape varieties on there, and you're like, mm, I don't know anything about this wine. Should I buy it? So in order to buy this wine confidently, you would need to go through a process of talking to someone 
talking to a wine professional and get to know what you're looking for. And it might just be this wine. It's fruity. It's fresh. It has some body to it, but not too much. Some spices. It's warm and cozy and comforting. It has some tannin, but not too much. It's I, I think this is like a real crowd pleaser. I would be so happy to give this to someone who wasn't sure what they wanted, but liked just generally yummy red wines i mean yeah that's a good way to say it like just give me the yummy red wine but let's circle back to the wine in a second and let's do what we always do for everyone who's been staying with us thank you for staying with us from episode one we're on episode seven now this is your first one welcome and as you know we taped these uh, episodes after we put our kids to bed this was a particularly long day on the day in which we were taping because we had no uh help from our um what was the name brando domestic domestic engineer engineer. (laughs) We had no help from the domestic engineer Brando today. He's out there working another gig in the food world. He's he does catering. Yeah, he's a really he's an excellent. He is chef, a great cook. Great yeah. cook. And so um, we're just lucky to um, have him in our life. And today we didn't. So it was a long day. So today I had the kids in the morning. Our oldest, the three year old, was off to preschool. I was watching the youngest. I was trying to work. And then we did a, a switch in the afternoon, and we had tacos this evening. And uh, Talk about a long finish. The whole day just felt like a long finish to get to 7.30. Yeah, it was happy. There were no like crazy incidents or anything. It was just long. And also, I offered to take them out and go to the park, but they were just wanted to be home playing. So it was just a long day in our house. Well, but, but good. The one thing was, we're dealing with some residual Halloween candy. Oh, wait. Oh, I think I blocked that out. Yeah. I'm sure you did. And so um, this is probably the first time we allowed our three-year-old to take a piece of candy to lunch. And he came home and it was a full meltdown. Oh, my. I mean, even in the full car. Full tantrum. He said, Mommy, I'm going to stay in the car and you need to go somewhere. <laughs> so what are you going to do? I just need to be in here alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Just ride that sugar wave, babe. You got to let him do it for like a few days after Halloween and then suddenly the bad has to disappear yeah we started eating all the candy just to get it out of the house it's it's working though yeah the pile is going down the pile is going down and we're having a great time eating that candy so for us today the, the long finish started basically at, at 5 30 well 5 30 in the morning yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Um, our kids are still not sleeping great you know shout out to the parents out there who have uh, excellent sleepers you're very lucky. We're still learning how to do some sleep training. So if you have some ideas out there, parents or even non-parents, all the non-parents out there, like if you got a great idea how to sleep train my kids, send them to the, the long finish. Go to longfinish.com and let us know uh, what can be done. But you have a ranking on tonight or the whole day? I would say seven. I'm going to give it a five and a half. So like 6.25. I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and revisit all these episodes and rank them. So when we have 100 episodes, I'll know what the best and the worst nights were and how bad we ranked them. So yeah, so that's our night. It's a long day um, for us and for all the parents out there. Shout out to you all, especially post-Halloween, dealing with those sugar crashes. Let's go ahead and get into this wine. This wine is so solid. I feel like your parents would love this. My parents would love this. Like wine and non-wine friends would love this. And I say they would love this because it's just got this yum factor kind of. It's fruity, but it has this freshness that's just so appealing. This simplicity, this uncomplicated thing about it. And it delivers all those like dark berry notes and plumminess that you want from something hearty, like a hearty red. But it doesn't have the intense tannic structure that sometimes makes you want food. 
And it's not so high acid that, again, you need food. No, like, pucker factor. It's just kind of smooth. Do you have any specifics on the wine making or the people behind it? Yes. So it's made by a woman named Laurent Gobert, and she purchased this estate in 2014 in Languedoc. And it is all organic, and it's actually really, really lively and bright, a ton of biodiversity. So there's animals and orchards and vegetable gardens all planted within the 12 hectares that she has. Uh, the In the winemaking, there's no chemicals, no fining, no filtering, not even sulfur. No sulfur added. Which is very rare, right? I mean, let's, let's talk about a second about sulfur. Kind of a nerdy topic for wine people, but I think it's interesting, especially with the trends and where, where wine is going. So just do a little, um, like a one-on-one on sulfur and sulfur use in wine. Sulfur is in all living things, and even if it's not added to a wine, it's just a little bit is always in there. But traditionally, sulfur is added either to protect against unwanted yeast or unwanted bacteria, and also sulfur is added to protect against oxygen, which ages the wine. The second that you open a wine, you expose it to oxygen, you age the wine. So more and more producers now are experimenting with adding less and less sulfur because it can either kill or suppress a lot of the liveliness and a lot of the good yeast and other things that does live in the wine. Some of these producers are just putting sulfur at the very end to protect from oxygen right before bottling. This is important if the wine is being shipped long places. I'm very supportive of adding a little sulfur at the end of bottling. Minimal sulfur all around really but especially just that little bit at the end of bottling i think for stability is important and what's fun about as we go on with this podcast we'll have people on to interview and i think people have different opinions on sulfur absolutely and this one had no sulfur added at any point but it tastes delicious aged in a little bit of oak um neutral oak and no sulfur added. I think it's pretty special wine. Native yeast fermentation, so indigenous yeast fermentation. It's 100% a natural wine. This is a great discussion. This is not the discussion that we expected to have, just so you know. like my, you know, <laughs> my, But this is a topic I know that's passionate about in your life right now. Natural wines, the farming in which the winemaking takes place is important to you. So hopefully in weeks to come, you'll hear more about this. But let's circle back to why we're here tonight, which is how to empower people when they go to restaurants to find the wine that is perfect for them, the wine that they want to drink. You developed, I saw you noodling over there at the dinner table, a plan of attack. Yes, this is my plan. This is the Catherine Wild Coker plan of attack on how to find the perfect wine at a restaurant. Okay, this is my how to buy wine guide. First of all, talk to a wine professional. Talk to a sommelier. They are there. They made the wine list. They know every wine inside and out. They don't know you, but they know their list. So talk to them. People might be intimidated to talk to the wine person, but can you say as a sommelier, they just want you to be happy. They're a matchmaker. They want to find the perfect wine for you and your occasion. That is their job. Not to upsell you or push an agenda. It's to really find the perfect wine for you and to make you happy. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people go to um, a restaurant and they kind of feel like they're being condescended to because they don't know about wine so much where in reality sommeliers are just there to say i want you to have the best experience of your life at this restaurant so how can i find the wine that will make that happen or they might be scared that you're going to push to spend something they don't want to spend yeah. they're, but they're i here to swindle you 
you know, of course, there are going to be examples of all those kind of people out there. But most all of the Psalms I know, they want to help people be happy in their restaurant because those make repeat customers that want to come back again and again. Secondly, know where you are. Is there a specialty? Is there something like a theme to what's great about that restaurant? Do they have a great burgundy list? Is it an Italian restaurant? Is it a Southeast Asian bistro where the main thing that pairs well with the food is aromatic white wine? Know what the specialty is of that restaurant. Can I, can I just say, uh, maybe even, I don't want to say more importantly, but like you should feel like you should be telling the psalm what you're having for dinner. That right? is actually what's next. Oh, you're right. Perfect. Great segue, Tug. Thank you. Thank you, Tug. Are you going to match the wine with what you're ordering or are you going to just get a wine that you love to drink? Those are two very different routes to go. One is, hold on, we don't need to talk to the psalm yet. Let's figure out what we want to order. Then we'll bring them over and have them help pair wines with what we're ordering. So if that is the case, you can be led more by the psalm, but it's still really helpful to know what you like and what you absolutely do not like. What you don't like is just as important as what you like. How do you talk about what you like? That's really important. A lot of people use a grape varietal as a comp. I like Pinot Noir. That's helpful, but it is also inhibiting because if you happen to like lighter red wines, which often a Pinot Noir can be, then you can open yourself up to way more wines on the list, way more ways to be adventurous, surprised, and budget-friendly. So one way of helping yourself as you go to restaurants is to think, to maybe A, think about the varietal that you like to drink, but think about the style of winemaking for that varietal right? The style of winemaking and also the qualities of that wine. Qualities of wine. So if I'm thinking about white wine, I'm thinking either it's a lighter white wine or a fuller white wine. I'm thinking it's fruity or it's kind of minerally. Those are kind of the four categories. I either choose, oh, I like full-bodied white wines that are kind of fruity or I like light-bodied white wines that are kind of minerally. So give me an example of what's a full-bodied wine that's kind of fruity. Chardonnay can be full and fruity. Chardonnay from California can be full and fruity. There's a great example. And for red, it's light and full-bodied. And you either like maybe like something fruity or you like something more earthy. So you say, I like Pinot Noir. I like something light and fruity. That's different than saying, I like Pinot Noir. I like something light and earthy. But that could be true for Pinot Noir. See, the thing about grape varietals is that they differ depending on where they're grown or the style of winemaking, which is what you said. So grape varietals don't tell the whole story. It's a branding. It's helpful. It's definitely good to put in there. So if I'm talking about to a sommelier about what I like or what I want to pair ideally with my salads on my first course, I like a lighter white wine. I like something that's kind of minerally. I like a Sauvignon Blanc. I like a Sancerre, but I'm open to trying new things. So that tells the sommelier a lot of information. I could also say, I know I like French Sauvignon Blancs. I like Sancerre, but there is a domestic Sauvignon Blanc. I like too. I like Smith and Story Sauvignon Blanc. So giving them examples of other wines you like is really helpful because then they kind of know, oh, 
even if your description isn't perfect, even if your description is terrible, if you're naming some other wines that you like, that's helpful for a sommelier. Would you feel weird as a sommelier if someone handed you their phone and showed you pictures of labels or wine bottles? No, that happens all the time. Okay, great. All the time. And that's helpful to you. Right? I mean, yeah. maybe you don't recognize the wine, but you can figure out some information. Exactly. It's so helpful. And if they do that for wines they don't like. Well, that's interesting, too. That's what they don't like is just as helpful. They might be able to say, look, I like a fruity red wine. I don't really know what wine I've had recently that was great, but this wine I had last night was terrible. And they show me a picture. I'm like, okay, great. Why was it bad? Well, it was like tart. Oh, okay. That means something to me. That's helpful to me. Just talk to them. You know, it doesn't even really matter any of the stuff as long as you're talking to them and telling them, I'm trying to describe to you what I like. Here's sort of a great varietal I tend to like. Here's a couple things I don't really like. So a lot of people have hit us up um, via our Instagram at the long finish or thelongfinish.com and said they're trying some wines with their partners, listening to the podcast with their partners. So thank you for that. And maybe this is a great time to experiment if you're listening to the podcast and drinking a wine or, or when you're not listening to the podcast to go ahead and try to describe the wine you're drinking to your partner. And what you like about it. And maybe you, you both can agree or disagree. So you can use these words and take them to a restaurant and say, you know what? We both like light. We both like fruity. And you can both agree on it. And you t- like, like Catherine said, take the picture of the wine. When you find something you like, take a picture of it and start charting the wines. I mean, it sounds a little nerdy, but like as a person who's been known on this podcast, be very practical. We've talked about this earlier. You want to go to a restaurant and you want to have a great time. You want to remember that restaurant very fondly. So find the great one for you. Take the photo. And some people have apps that do that for them. They're on Delectable and they can show me like, oh, well, I had this and that and this and that and that I loved. Other people just take it on their phone and they show me tons of pictures of stuff they like and then they didn't like. It's super, super helpful. The worst is when they're like, hmm, I took a picture of this, but I don't remember if I liked it or not. (laughs) So maybe like, you know, open up an app and put a thumbs down or a thumbs up with it or put a note or something because that will help you why you took the picture. The other thing is, are you buying it for yourself or buying it for a group in general? If you're going to have to choose white or red, more people like red and more people like fruity, bold reds, which is why this wine that we're drinking tonight would be a home run hit in almost any group. Or I think of like the Brock Vinestar Zinfandel, a wine that is medium body or plus or medium or full bodied, has fruity flavors and not too heavy tannins, not so tannic. People just like that. I don't know. It's just a general pleasure factor. The other thing that's really important is what do you want to spend? And just please don't say something reasonable because reasonable means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And again, to 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 peer into the the the, the vantage point of the sommelier, obviously they would love to 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 sell some blue chip wines. But again, they just want to make people happy. Don't feel embarrassed by the price point. They just want to find you the perfect wine for your price point. Correct. Exactly. And if it's a great psalm, there should be great wines on their list from the cheapest to the most expensive. Just like a great chef should have awesome salads and awesome entrees from soup to nuts, the menu should be great. So a lot of people sometimes I will see, okay, I'm going to order the second cheapest wine just so I don't look like a cheap. I mean, I've done that. I mean, I've been that guy. Sorry, babe. But how do you know that that wine isn't worse or wasn't priced up more because it's the second cheapest? It's better to I've talk to been somebody. That guy, oh my gosh! And 
dates of years gone by. What I do if you don't want to say the price that you want. I love that you're laughing at yourself right now. If you don't want to say it, you have the menu turn towards you, right? You put your finger. I'm thinking something around this. Or I will do that sometimes too. Like if you're on a date and you don't want to say. You don't want to say like, look, I'm going to spend, you know. $40. $40. This is a great point for the single <laughs> men and women out there. Or, it or, you is. Know. You can be discreet. You can say, I'm thinking something around here. You point to $40 or maybe up to here, 65 Then the sum's like, oh, cool, cool. I have like tons of great stuff in that range. And then they show you your date has no clue. I mean, this is another episode, but the Psalms, guys, guys and gals out there, Psalms have seen Many dates. They know what's going on. They're basically dating experts out there. We've seen it all. I mean, we've had many people come into Esther's who have been on many dates at Esther's. And you you protect them. You say, good to see you again, sir. Nice to meet you. Date. And we're here to help everyone. We protect your privacy. Yeah, we want you to have fun and protect your privacy. So uh, we do the same thing with, um, you know, the cost of wines. I'm talking like I'm a psalm. I'm just talking like as a person that I know I've been, I've been, I've been that guy. But it's like so. you're, but it's like you're a host, you know, like even just at a party right. or at, at your own home. That's what you do. You are gracious with people and you are protective. Yeah. Any other tips? You want to do like a synopsis? Yes. So number one, talk to the people. Talk to the sommelier, talk to the sommelier, talk to the sommelier. Number two, where are you? Know the specialty of that restaurant or know the cuisine. Number three, decide if you're going to order to go with your food or just based on what you like. Three and a half, what do you like? Talk about what you like. Talk about what you don't like. Show pictures of what you like. Show pictures of what you don't like. All the information is really helpful. Number four, talk about your budget or discreetly put your finger on a number alongside the menu. Number five, which we didn't even get to any of this, I wanted to say be adventurous or if you're not an adventurous person, be willing to step outside your tiny comfort zone of Malbec or Pinot Noir if you can talk about you John Coker. (laughs) Talk, she's talking to her father-in-law about that. <laughs> Step outside just, and have some fun. Uh, you don't have to get the same grape variety every time. If you talk about things you like, things you don't like, pay attention to the specialty or what food you're ordering, you can allow someone to introduce something new to you. And that is what's really fun about wine. I definitely know that's a passion for all of us, all the Psalms at Esther's. So let's go ahead and use this wine that we're using tonight as an example. Let's do a quick run through of um, how we would find this wine. Can we do that? Yeah. So I'm in a restaurant. Let's say, where are we? Uh, just, all, you know, your everyday um, all-American, maybe like steakhouse, let's say. Great. So I'm at a steakhouse. I am with a bunch of friends and we're out for a night out. We're at the steakhouse. I'm going to talk to the Psalm. Hi, we are going to be ordering a bunch of different food. Some appetizers, some meats. A few of us are vegetarian. We want to get something that all of us are going to like. I think we could probably agree we'll all like red. Okay, what do you want to spend? Mm, I would say not crazy expensive. Like we'd like to keep it under $60 because we might be ordering multiple bottles. Or you just point. Or I point to 60 and I say, maybe something just a little less than this, if you know what I mean. Wink, or wink, nod. Or I, maybe I could even say, uh, not the cheapest, but 
but the second cheapest. Yes, I'm done. That's me. <laughs> Give me the tug coker. Um, something that's really going to be fresh and pleasing red wine for me and all my friends. This is exactly what they would deliver. It's a red blend that's fruity. It's pleasing. It's not too tannic. We can order multiple bottles of it because it's not super expensive on the restaurant list. And it's going to go with a lot of variety of foods. Um, so speaking of, because we always do this, what would you pair this wine with? Because it sounds like it goes with a lot of stuff, which is great. That's why we love this wine. One or two dishes that you that just jump off the top of brain? I mean, when I first tasted it, I was like, oh, this would be awesome with just like a classic American hamburger with American cheese and a raw onion and crispy lettuce, tomato, and a pickle. Yeah, it goes with a lot of you know, quality Americana. Totally. You could have this with carnitas. You could have this with meatloaf it would be awesome with meatloaf don't you think it's like comfort wine with yeah. comfort food so i i mean i i'm even spaghetti and meatballs i love even. this wine as much as you do so is this is this wine hard to find do people outside of just la where, where could they get this wine do you think or is there a comp like is there a comp of wine where people could walk into the local wine store and say hey could you get me something like this i would say this because kind of like medium to full-bodied or a bold wine and fruity not too tannic it hap- the grape varietals happen to be Merlot, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't think that that's what makes this wine what it is. All those qualities are what make it what it is. And like I said, this region of Languedoc tends to produce more full-bodied red wines, many of which have a fruity character, and you get a lot for your money. That's what I'm talking about with that region. If you're not married to a Napa Cabernet Sauvignon, if you're not married to something from Paso Robles, if you're willing to try something from a region that you don't know much about, or if it's not even, this isn't even Languedoc, it's Vin de France, it's table wine from France, step outside your comfort zone and trust someone like this. This has the qualities that I want in a red wine right now. We'll put a picture of the wine on our social media accounts so you can see that. Maybe you can take that in to your local wine store and say, do you have this or do you have something like this? I mean, we'd love for you to be listening to our show and drinking some wine similar to this so you kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. But go home, enjoy some wine, and talk about why you like it. Give those descriptors. I mean, as we do this more and more, you realize, Catherine and I, like 10 years ago, our wine tastes were so different. So different. And that's just that's just from drinking more and thinking more and talking more. It's the same as like anything that you're into, music or books or art. When you first get into it, you have a lot of different interests than when you've been into it for 10 plus years. It's yeah. just that your taste evolves. Yeah. So it, it, as I said, we'll post a picture on social media. And if you have a, any other questions about how you ask or talk to your sommelier at a restaurant about the wine you want to choose, email us or hit us up, DM us, whatever. We're here to help you. And we want to make you feel great when you walk into a restaurant, with whether you're on a date with your wife or partner, feel free to ask us. And we'll, we'll, we want to make sure that you guys walk away saying, you know what, I got a great bottle of wine because you know we want everyone to like wine as much as we do. You mentioned earlier talking about art and we always transition to the last part of the night which is what is inspiring us this week. I'm going to go ahead and go first. This is going to be surprising to Catherine because Catherine is a, a, a big fan of, of poems and poetry and um, but so I'm going to pull a 180 and I'm going to take the, the poem time tonight. And a couple weeks ago, we lost a great lion of the government Elijah Cummings, who was a congressman from Maryland. He's from the 7th District, and he obviously was an incredible human. 
And when I was reading through articles and listening to obituaries on the radio about him, there was a poem that he said he recited up to 20 times a day. And he actually recited this poem during his first speech on the congressional floor as a member of the House of Representatives. And it's by Dr. Benjamin E. Mays, who was a former president of Morehouse College, a mentor to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he wrote a poem that was called, I think there's some debate on what it's called, whether it's called God's Minute or One Minute. And I heard the poem recited, and it really, I don't know, it hit home to me. And I'm sure the meanings uh, mean things to different people as they hear it, but I think that's the beauty of poetry. Wouldn't you agree? That's, that is. You know, you hear something, and it, it resonates in your own life. And uh, this is the poem. It's called God's Minute, uh, or at least the way I'm calling it God's Minute. I've only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Don't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to you to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give an account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. You know, so I, I just felt like that poem, for whatever reason, uh, in the time which I discovered this poem, hit me in a way that uh, I've been thinking a lot about time recently. I've been thinking a lot about, I guess, with the two kids, you know, time is precious. There's a lot of things that I want to be doing with my life, things I want to achieve both personally and professionally. And um, I think you'll agree with me, Catherine, that like, you know, when, once you start having kids, like you realize how precious your time management is to achieve both things with your kids, but also in your own life. And um, really, really a powerful little poem, only two, four, six, eight, nine lines, but um, really spoke to me. So I encourage you to go out and, and Google it from Dr. Benjamin E. Mays. Uh, people are calling it One Minute or God's Minute. It's, uh, it's a poem that means a lot to me, or and it meant a lot to Elijah Cummings, and I, I thank Elijah Cummings for introducing that poem to me. Thanks for sharing. What you got? Well, I'm also inspired by something artsy this week and kind of deep, which was a performance called On Beckett that we went to see. A one-man show starring Bill Irwin. And we saw this at the Kirk Douglas Theater last Sunday. It was the final show. Sorry that I'm saying it now. You can't go see it, but look it up. It was absolutely fabulous. So Beckett's writing, probably most famous for writing Waiting for Godot, or in the British term, Waiting for Godot. Yes, a big point of contention in, in the play. It was so good. And Bill Irwin is a legend a legendary New York actor. He's hit the movies, Rachel Getting Married, and, well, not most recently, but the most recent thing we saw him on, in on Broadway was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. You saw him in something else I've seen recently. Him in, well, I, I've seen him in, when I was in San Francisco, I saw him in Fool. He's, a, he's probably one of America's most renowned clowns. His 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 movement is incredible. He was in a play called that he they created called Fool Moon, I believe with his partner David Shiner. Also, um, Old Hats, which came out a few years ago with Nellie McKay, Nellie McKay. And he's also, to the, to, the, to the parents out there, he's known as Mr. Noodle. Excuse me. I was going to say that. As, this is my sorry, inspo. Sorry. This is but my you never inspiration. Heard that. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. We are both very inspired by this play. It's Beckett has some super deep, intense, thick writings. And to be presented 
from this guy who is a clown, as you said, and just a performer with so much joy and so much history and so much ease on stage and really just a love for performers and actors. It was truly a delight to see. So thanks, Bill Irwin. The one, the one takeaway I, got, I think from our moments of inspiration for the week, I think, are um, I've been on my phone, and I've been on my t- my computer screen so much recently, and I think I'm just craving, and maybe you are too, this idea of like just seeing words or or listening to words. You know, it's just seeing it, seeing them in a different way. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I, like when I, when I went to the play and get to see you know for two hours someone perform and like to digest things from an I guess oral standpoint yeah. um, is really it was like a nice change because gosh my eyes I mean I I just had to stop looking at the computer screen the other day it was it was a lot but um anyway we'll put these up on social media these little these little great nuggets um that we have of moments of inspiration I hope you enjoy them um, each week and if you have some things that are inspiring you be sure to hit us up at the long finish or uh, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and um, let's connect. Oh, uh, one thing, we, we haven't mentioned Catherine's book club recently. What's Catherine reading right now? Right now I'm reading The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. I really loved Commonwealth, which is the, her last novel. And I'm reading Dutch House, and I've heard that it has a great audio version read by Tom Hanks. So if you want to get on that. That's incredible. Yeah. I want to do that. It's supposed to be great. Well, there you go. Well, I'm going to give the copy to your mom, though. So. Well, not the audiobook. No. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> Any book is mine. All right, it's getting late. Guys and gals, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Long Finish. Catherine, where can they find you on social media? At Catherine Weil Coker on Instagram and Facebook, Catherine Weil Coker. Where can they find The Long Finish on social media? At The Long Finish for Instagram. Twitter is at TLF pod and Facebook, the long finish. And you can find me tug Coker at tug Coker on Instagram and Twitter. As I said, always, we want to create a dialogue with you. So please be sure to hit us up with any questions or comments, thoughts, and ideas about the podcast or about wines. We're here to serve you. And um, if you have an opportunity, we would be so honored if you would go to wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe. Those reviews mean a lot to us because it helps bumps us up uh, in the algorithms and helps us uh, discover be discovered by new people. So um, if you have an opportunity to do that, we would be very, very grateful. But thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Long Finish. We love talking wine. If you have a wine that you want to discuss, hit us up. I don't know. It's been fun. We, did, we made it. Seven episodes. This seventh inning stretch. Seventh episode itch. Is it over? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, everyone, thanks for joining us. Um, Until next time, we'll do it again. Uh, Thank you. Have a great night and happy drinking.